1: Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
2: This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent
3: herbicide.
0: The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley.
4: And a good afternoon, welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge, here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op, you're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have a great holiday story of local farmers and food businesses helping the food bank help those in need. Regina-based Protein Industries Canada is making an effort to develop a new pulse crop for prairie farmers like lupins. CN Rail discusses the effort to restore rail service to the important port of Vancouver this past month. The Federal Minister of Agriculture announces a support plan to deal with a ban on PEI potatoes to the U.S. The farm weather is in its usual spot
0: at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of
4: Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. Local farmers are stepping up to help the Regina Food Bank feed those in need this holiday season. The vice president of the Regina Food Bank, David Froh, says local farmer Roy Klim of Condy Seeds has made a major oats donation to the food bank.
0: We all
2: love oats, and thanks to local producer Roy Klim. And our friends at Canmore and Avena Foods, uh, we've sourced over 67,000 bags of rolled oats for Saskatchewan families.
4: How does this help the food bank?
2: At a time of rising costs and record uh, hunger, uh, it helps us in so that we can cons- control our supply chain, uh, but also get healthy food on the tables, of many families and grandparents and schools across southern Saskatchewan.
4: What's this whole project valued at?
2: It's valued at close to half a million dollars, and it's just the beginning. We at the food bank can provide a tax receipt to producers, Condi Seeds cleans them, Avena mills it, and Canmar Foods in Regina bags it, and we distribute it. So we hope this can be a long-term solution to food insecurity in our province.
4: And, of course, oats are very nutritious food for breakfast especially.
2: We all love oats, especially with this frigid cold weather, and we're going to get these oats into schools, community organizations, and, of course, tens of thousands of homes. They're healthy, and they fill you up at this time of year, which, of course, is much appreciated.
4: Tell me about the food bank. What kind of demand are you getting this Christmas season?
2: We'll feed over 10,000 people this month. And that's in addition to the 2,500 holiday hampers that will go out. So there's record demand for our services. We know inflation is putting a strain on a lot of families. But while we feed the world here with Saskatchewan uh, products and Saskatchewan crops, uh, it shows there's no shortage of food. uh, Just creativity and and generous partners is all we need.
4: So this is a big donation from Condi Seeds, you said, and also a couple of Regina-based companies.
2: Yeah, Roy Clem and his family own Condi Seeds, and they're oat producers, uh, and there's a network of oat producers as well that do work with Avena Foods, which is a large oat producer in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So this really represents the entire agriculture value chain, right, right from producer to processor, to food manufacturer, uh, right to distribution. And we need to do more of that in Saskatchewan. We need to see our, our products uh, make their way through the value chain, not just raw commodities. And it shows that we can do it. A little old Regina Food Bank with some amazing, amazing partners. Of course, it's a great feel-good holiday story. To claim the Clem's generosity, and, and of course, we couldn't do it without Canmar and Avena. So uh, we're really proud, but I think it's a wonderful holiday story of generosity, but also shows we can feed our neighbours here at home
4: And you would accept um, donations from other farmers as well?
2: We're always looking for partners. The fact is we have to move 10,000 pounds of food every day just to feed our neighbours. So whether you're growing potatoes, whether you're growing quinoa, pulse crops, uh, we're interested in in working uh, with you. Uh, And, of course, this project is all about oats. And if you're an oat producer, uh, please contact Avena Foods um, because we'd love to include you in this. Our hope is to roll this out for many years to come.
4: This comes through a group, I believe, called Farm to Kitchen. Can you tell me a little about,
2: a bit about it? Yeah, Farm to Kitchen is the name we came up with along with our friends at Avena and Canmar, and the idea is No food doesn't come from a grocery store. It comes from a farmer. And so, you know, when folks are driving through rural Saskatchewan this holiday season, we hope they look out their window and realize that, you know, what's coming off that crop is going to make their way to their grocery store. And, you know, most of us still have a connection to the farm. Uh, But for maybe those that don't, uh, I think the name is fitting in that, you know, we wanted to really show that connection in Saskatchewan between rural and urban, between farm uh, and kitchen pantry. So that's where the name came from.
4: And again, the need at the Regina Food Bank?
2: The need at the Regina Food Bank is is high, as it is sadly in all food banks across our country. But the good news is, is Saskatchewan people always step up. We're a very generous folk, and I know uh, that folks will have our backs as we work hard to feed over 10,000 people every single month.
4: David Froh is the Vice President of the Regina Food Bank.
0: Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM.
4: This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca Regina-based Protein Industries Canada is taking steps to introduce a new crop to Western Canada. CEO Bill gruels says a $7.3 million dollar project brings together plant breeding and manufacturing to develop Lupin a pulse crop similar to peas on the prairies.
3: It's a $7.3 million uh, investment from Protein Industries Canada and our industry partners, who I'll talk a little bit about. But really, this is about developing a whole supply chain for a crop, a new crop to Western Canada. It's it's lupins. They grow a lot of lupins in, in the EU and in Australia. But uh, this is about taking a crop and doing some work in terms of breeding work and then ingredient manufacturing and using those ingredients in the development of consumer packaged goods products, which could be alternative dairy or alternative cheeses. So it's really an end-to-end value chain investment that we've made. What is lupin? Just what is it? Yeah, lupin is it's a pulse crop. It's similar to something like peas or chickpeas. Looks a little bit different, but it's got a really high protein content. It's got really good lodging resistance. It's got some good strong disease resistance, relatively free of pests. So you think about it in terms of a crop similar to peas. It fixes its own nitrogen. It's a legume crop. uh, It's a really interesting crop in terms of the protein content and, uh, and nutritional composition. Why haven't we grown it so far
4: on the prairies?
3: Yeah, I I think the main reason is that it is not well adapted to the growing conditions in Western Canada. It's more temperate or or easier climates, might I say, to places like the European Union or in Australia. So that's why the breeding work is important. And so I think, you know, if we go back in time, the Crop Development Centre back in the 80s started developing pulse crops for Western Canada. They did look at lupin, but there was a lot of work in terms of the breeding and agronomy that needed to get done so they focused on other crops. So this, this will take time to adapt this crop to the conditions here but largely we haven't grown it because there's a lot of there's some work that we need to do in terms of breeding and agronomy.
4: What are the issues that need to be improved so that it can be grown readily in Western Canada?
3: Yeah, I, I think for the most part it's it's the length of the growing season. We've got to shorten that up to make sure that it can mature in terms of the number of frost-free days that we have. But you know, as, uh, as it's happening in Western Canada, seasons are getting longer. So, but that that's the big piece that we got to work on. And then of course, you know, figuring out from a from an equipment perspective how to get it into a crop rotation. And again, you know, always with the development of new crops, it's the chicken and egg, right? You grow the crop and hope the market comes, you develop the market and hope the farmers grow the crop. That's why I think this project is so cool because we're going to do the breeding and agronomy work and we're going to do the ingredient manufacturing and the development of food products at the same time. So hopefully we don't get into this boom-bust cycle like we have with the introduction of some other crops in Western Canada. Can
4: the crop breeders breed a lupin variety that will work in Western Canada?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm confident we will be able to. I, I don't think farmers will see it for sale in the next two to three years, but some of the investments we're making at Protein Industries Canada is to set us up for long-term success. So I'm, I'm confident they will, and, and breeding is getting more efficient with the new tools that plant breeders have at their disposal. So I, I think we've got a, a great line of sight to a new crop that will be introduced in Western Canada in the future. When?
4: When do you think it might be grown regularly, commercially?
3: Yeah, I, I, I think we'll see varieties starting to get tested within the next two to three years. So the project for us is is a short cycle project. And uh, I think they will be testing varieties and different accessions here in Western Canada in the next year. I would say three to four to five years out, we should be seeing some, some new varieties come into the marketplace.
4: Is it easy to grow once they improve the agronomics
3: of it? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it should be relatively easy to grow. Now we're going to learn some things about what the production challenges are as we introduce this new crop. But, you know, what we what we do know about lupins is it's relatively free of pests. It's got good disease resistance. It's got good lodging resistance. It's suitable for a wide variety of soil types. And, you know, a really good part about this crop is that it's a, it's a nitrogen fixer as well. And so, you know, as, as we get it into rotation, we'll learn some things that we didn't expect, but uh, I think for the most part, it, it should be relatively easy to grow.
4: Bill Gruel is
0: the CEO of
4: Protein Industries
0: Canada. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source,
5: 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Joined right now by Doug Moise. He is with Pioneer Seeds Canada. Now, for some growers, they're like, okay, I, I, I'm looking for real accuracy. Like, really, I'm I'm, I'm going like, to place this seed exactly where I want it. Some growers have moved to planters on canola. Uh, in in some cases, a lot of success, and others, they've maybe moved back. What are some of the considerations if you are going to make this decision on planter versus drill?
1: Well, if you're going to make the decision on planter, number one, you don't want to be into that 22-inch row spacing or 30, unless you've got a GPS unit where you can actually feed and come back between, so you move it down to either to 11 or 15. Ideally, you'd want minimum or maximum 15-inch rows. I'd like to see 11-inch if you have a 22-inch planter. But most of the planters here in Western Canada are 30-inch. Some have the ability to go 15s as well. Now, what is really nice about a planter, precision depth, precision placement, proper spacing. And we have guys that have been very successful with the seeding rates they're at, producing some really nice crops. The downside is the days to ground cover comes a little longer. So weed management picks up. And then as we see with with canola being that so plastic, the more area it's given, the more branchier it will become. And so we've seen some where maturity starts to slip out two, three, maybe four days. Uh, we've had some cases where under the wrong conditions, guys have had seen their maturities go up five and six days later than they normally would. That is based on a standard, um, you know, drill with 12-inch spacing. So, you know, there's a little bit of more to do with it now. I do like the corn planter for precision placement the fact that you get even spacing you don't get what i call seed clumping which is basically four and five plants emerging from the same spot and then a big space in between this is where a planter does a really good job of just every inch and a quarter there's a seed and uh, that is a nicer part and typically we also see because these planters are typically don't have a fertilizer kit you have don't have to worry about um, you know, salt effect from fertilizer with the seed, et cetera. Now, the downside, phosphate still has that nice, quick pop-up effect that does help canola seed. So some guys have gone to using a biological seed treatment that, um, and I'm going to just use them because th- that's the common one is jumpstart, and they've used that to help with their phosphate uptake. Not a bad idea if you're really worried with concern. So, yeah. so the planters, it does a really nice job. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, though, too, Sean, um, this year we know that the seed size in a lot, a lot from the different companies that we've been hearing, the seed size is up there. Um, one I would be concerned is with the guys using drills and or planters is make sure you have the proper rollers and or plates for your planters to make sure that you're not cracking seed, you're not breaking up seed, you're not holding onto to too much. Uh, last year we saw with some of the bigger seed sizes with one or two customers is that they had put their fine rollers in and didn't put their proper rollers in, and they were splitting seed as it was coming out. So, you know, this is a lot of things that a guide can be working on this winter as we sit here in this minus 20-degree days. Maybe go heat up the shop and pull that drill out and start looking at some of the things that I can make sure that I have my drill set up for my planter.
5: Well, with the planter, you're… You know, you're you're striving for higher seed survivability, but you got to balance it off with how low you go on the on the planting rate because yep. you know, th- th- like there's a give and take. There, adverse spring, you go too low, and you're you're going to regret that as well. So it's 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 some tougher decisions.
1: Yeah, oh, it is it is a tougher position uh, position to think about, or just tough decision. Um, you know, and just to, to go back, and because I was reviewing this here this past week, is that if you take a look at the old data from the Canola Council, uh, which I was part of, but we looked at canopy manipulation and plant stands, and then Murray Hartman followed up and did a bunch of plant stand analysis and everything else. That critical five plants per square foot is that thing that that is our base that we need to be at. Now, you can go down to four but it has to be even, but a lot of work by Angadi and a bunch of other people in Canada has shown is that when plant populations are down and if you have variable emergence, you could be throwing 20 to 30% of your yield out the window. So, you know, whatever decision you make, whether it is with a planter or a drill, it's making sure we have adequate
5: plant stand and it basically boils down to plant density. This has been your Real Agriculture update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com.
0: It's your agro weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM.
4: The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit MoosejawTruckShop.com. Mainly cloudy today with 30% chance of light snow. Winds up to 15 km per hour. A high minus 13, the low minus 19. Wind chill minus 20 tonight, minus 28 overnight and risk a frostbite. Tomorrow mainly sunny, wind west 20 gusting to 40, then light near noon. A high Tuesday minus 11, the low minus 15. Wednesday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 10, the low minus 15. Thursday, cloudy, 40% chance of flurries, the high minus 11, the low minus 19. Friday, partly cloudy, the high minus 18, the low minus 24. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high minus 22, 60% chance of evening flurries, the low minus 22. Sunday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 21. Normal high for this state, minus 10. The normal low is minus 21. The sun rose at 8.56 this morning. It sets at 4.56 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now, North Battleford at minus 12. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids at minus 29. Estevan is minus 16. Saskatoon minus 14. Swift Current minus 16. Weyburn minus 16. And Yorkton minus 20. Cloudy in Regina, it's minus 16. That's four above Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southwest at five. Humidity is 68%. The dropping 102.7. Cloudy and Moose Jaw minus 14. Winds are from the south at 12. Once again, Regina, cloudy and minus 16. That's four above Fahrenheit
0: this portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall
4: Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Heavy rains and mudslides in British Columbia caused serious service disruptions for CN Rail in November and early December. David Shudnovic is the Assistant Vice President for Grain. He talks about CN's response following
6: the first heavy rain that hit B.C. Many areas of southern British Columbia received close to a month's worth of precipitation in a short period of time between November 13th and November 14th. That rainfall event resulted in dozens of washouts and mudslides on the CN main line between Kamloops and Vancouver, along with creating multiple washouts on the CN Squamish subdivision on the CN line between Prince George and Vancouver. Moving from south to north, the CN-Yale subdivision, which runs from Douglas Island to Boston Bar, and the CN-Ashcroft subdivision, running from Boston Bar to Kamloops, were impacted the most. CN's main line to Prince Rupert wasn't affected by the heavy rains and was in service throughout the entire disruption on the BC South region. And many customers were able to divert traffic towards the Prince Rupert corridor. CN's network is unique in that we reach two major Canadian West Coast ports, and that speaks to the overall resiliency of CN's network. It's important to remember that the Ashcroft subdivision is a lot more remote than the Yale subdivision, with more mountainous, challenging terrain. And when the highway network in BC sustained major damage, that restricted the ability of CN to reach impacted areas on its rail line. CN worked its way south from Kamloops and north from Vancouver to sequentially deal with the mainline outages, working towards the most serious issue at Falls Creek Falls at mile 110.5 on the CN Ashcroft subdivision. That was the last spot we could get to because of restricted road access, and we could only get in by rail. All told, CN experienced 58 outages over a 150-mile stretch, from the middle of November onwards. CN had over 110 pieces of heavy equipment deployed, operating 24-7 to get the line back into service, with over 400 employees and contractors responding to the outages. 282,000 cubic yards of rock, earth, and backfill materials were moved to rebuild damaged locations, which is the equivalent of over 25,000 truckloads, with much of it being moved into position by train. The 58 impact sites had damage ranging from just washed
4: out track to the entire rail bed, and there was soil and debris from the heavy rain. The summer fire made it worse because of reduced vegetation to hold the soil up. CN has taken plans to mitigate the impacts of mudslides and rockslides.
6: CN has multiple ways to protect track from washouts and slides. The first is slide fences. When a slide comes in, the slide fence is also activated, an alarm goes to the traffic control center, and trains don't go through until we can resolve the slide and remove the debris. The second activity is ditching along track, between the track and the mountainside. When debris comes in, it goes into the ditch itself and not onto the track. Of course, that ditch can only take so much debris.
4: The week of November 21st, Shadnovic says the two railways moved traffic on the CP mainline. The following week, CN ran seven train on its mainline that it had restored. But then again, more rain came and there were more washouts forced another shutdown. Service was finally restored December 4th. There are more permanent fixes being implemented to increase network resiliency.
6: Yes, the best example I can give you is around the major outage at Falls Creek Falls on the Ashcroft subdivision. In the immediate term and as i described earlier we have dealt with the washout put down temporary track and reprofiled the slopes above the track in order to minimize the risk of debris and runoff wide ditches were established to capture runoff from the mountainside and diverted away from the track water flow has been realigned between the mountainside and the track and the rail embankment has been hardened to minimize embankment saturation we've also reinforced the ballast along the shoulder of the rail bed so that it's as solid as possible Track is inspected after every train passes through the affected area and we have a rail surfacing crew on standby as we run over the temporary track. The next step is to install a permanent 5-span, 229-foot rail bridge and we expect that to be completed before year end. You need to install the supports that will hold up the bridge and then you need to install the bridge spans. Here it's two 107-foot girders that we'll bring in by rail to assemble into the main span along with four concrete deck spans 30 feet long each. To install the supports, you need to build abutments on either side of where the bridge will be built, and build piers to support each of the five spans. You need to drive piles into the ground first for the piers, brace them, and then add precast concrete caps. Then you need to assemble the bridge span. The span will sit on top of heavy steel girders that will also be brought in by rail. You need to do earthwork in advance where the bridge will be installed so that the 275 and 500-ton cranes that will be used to put the bridge into place have somewhere to sit with a solid footing. And you need to have to coordinate track time, which means implementing a work block of a set number of hours that allows the engineering team to do its work in the absence of rail traffic movement. David Chinovic with CN Rail. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The
0: Source 620 CKRM. This segment brought to you by
4: Digamon Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And our cola building supplies. Small town lumberyard, big on service. Arcolabuildingsupplies.com. Could be a long haul ban for PEI potato farmers on the exports of spuds to the U.S. Imposed last month by the Trudeau government. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau announced today $28 million of federal money to help PEI potato farmers distribute their huge harvest of potatoes to food banks and to help some safely dispose of the spuds. The minister tried to put a positive spin on the situation, saying it will be resolved as quickly as they can, and she also put all the blame on the White House for a threatened plan to ban the PEI potatoes. The CFIA is now suggesting testing of soil and other measures aimed at convincing the U.S. that potato wart won't reach their soil
0: could take well over a year to complete. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update brought
4: to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola gained 60 cents at 9.8132. One Red Spring wheat fell 53 cents at 4.6720. The rest were unchanged. Durham 7.1691. Feed barley 3.8364. Flax 14.7059. Lentils 9.8650. Oats 5.5153. Yellow peas 6.2324. Feed wheat 2.6165. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat fell 4 cents at ten eighteen and a half cents and a half cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn 842-4574. And now the latest quotes.
3: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee bringing the market report direct from Heartland and SwiftCard. We had 800 cattle on offer last week with mostly cows On offer, all cows sold three to five dollars higher. Here are the quotations: D1 and two cows are traded from 78 to 85 and a half. D3 cows, 60 to 74. Feeder cows, 75 to 95. Open 1,000 pound heifers are traded from 172 to 182.50. Good bulls are traded from 90 to a dollar five. Just a note before closing, we wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Our first regular sale in the new year is January the 4th. This has been Lee Crowley bringing the market report direct from Heartland and Swiftcart good day and good marketing
4: and the latest pork prices 17012 per Ckg coming up
0: the resource report this is the Saskatchewan resource report on 620 CKRM here's Jim Smalley now the resource report brought to you by
4: second look online auction visit 2 ndlookonlineauctioncom to see what's up for bid the highways ministries as winter weights will be allowed on all applicable highways starting today. this includes central and southern regions. The northern region saw winter weights go into effect December 13th. Milder weather this fall resulted in postponement of winter weight season this year. Typically, these temporary weights are removed on March 15th to protect the highway system. Winter weights allow truckers to carry up to 20% heavier loads during winter months to keep the economy competitive. The Water Security Agency is offering free online workshops for farmers to plan water drainage projects in a changing climate. The workshops called AgH2 Onward will introduce farmers to the Agricultural Water Management Program in Saskatchewan, the process and benefits of drainage approvals, and techniques to best manage water on their land. The free workshops are being offered until April 2022 and include two half-day sessions. Sask Water says farming is the backbone of the provincial economy, and managing water is an important economic tool for producers. As well, there is an added challenge of adapting to a changing climate. The Water Security Agency says there are important opportunities to help producers plan farm drainage projects that are adapted to weather extremes, like flood and drought, while increasing productivity. More details are available at agh2onward.ca. On the markets, the TSX is down 339 points to 20,399. The Dow has dropped 610 points to 34,754. Oil has fallen $4 to 66 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 27 one-hundredths of a cent at 77.26 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture
0: Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.